21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. The name of the podcast is Calling Bullshit. So that bullshit part, is it regarding the purpose that we spoke about or uh, the, the, the lack of digital experience or, or is it just a buzzword? No, 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 no. I'll tell you the story about why it's called Calling Bullshit. We have a process that we take clients through in order to help them define their own purpose. And as a part of that process, we help them first think about one of the first things that we think about is help them define their enemy, like their antagonist. What is the dragon that they're trying to slay? Who's the, the bad guy, right? The Darth Vader. It's not about naming a competitor or another company. It's really a, a, a good enemy is a belief system, uh, a, a thought, a, a, uh, an emotion in some cases, right? You're trying to make big positive change. In Elon Musk's case, his enemy is, he calls it the mine and burn economy. The carbon, the entire hydrocarbon economy is Tesla's enemy. And they're trying to replace it, right? And so figuring out what your enemy is, is a really important part of our process. And we decided at one point to put ourselves through our own process and define our enemy. And Co-Collective's enemy is any gap between what you say you stand for and what you're and the actions that you're taking. So that gap has a name at Co-Collective, we call it bullshit. And so if our enemy at Co-Collective is bullshit and we want to make sure that, that companies are walking their talk, we decided to start a podcast where we saw that there was a possibility that a company might not be walking their talk and called them out and said, hey, it looks like you've got a gap between word and deed. And I think the important thing that people should take away is that we're not just trying to hate on companies. We really believe in lighting candles as well. And so the, the one of the most important ideas in the podcast is that bullshit is a treatable condition. In other words, it's not permanent. All you have to do if you're a bullshitter is take action and get your actions back in line with your stated purpose. And if you do that, you have zero BS, right? And so regular episodes, a, a traditional episode will be investigative and we'll pick a company and then we do the first half of the show is these are the facts of the case, folks. You can decide on your own, but we're, we're going to call bullshit on this. Uh, and then we spend the second half of the show really going, how would we solve this problem? If they came to us, and 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 asked us to get them 
back in, get their actions back in line. What are the actions that we would recommend that they take to not be a bullshitter? And so hopefully we leave people in a positive place. We also do positive episodes where we interview the CEO of a company that we believe is truly purpose-led and use that as, as kind of master classes in how to do it. So if you're an entrepreneur who's interested in hearing from, you know, Joey Zwillinger, the founder of one of the founders of Allbirds, or, or Alan Jope, the CEO of a giant global corporation like Unilever that has t- taken on the task of, of becoming purpose-led, um, you, can, you can get that too. How have successful companies created products and services that accurately reflect their brand's story? Well, so, you know, as I'm sure you know, like I, I began my career in traditional advertising. I was a creative director and a copywriter and worked in that business for about 20 years and and really enjoyed it but but really what I was doing there is I was helping companies tell their story mostly using paid media so I would make 30 and 60 second commercials or print ads or outdoor boards to help really define help help a company get the word out about themselves and You know, I, advertising is a lot of fun. I met a lot of fun people. I enjoyed it as a, as a, as a career, but I started to notice a couple of things uh, later in my career. I started to notice, first of all, that it was getting harder and harder to tell stories using paid media. This was as the internet really came into being and, and then grew. You know, it was, it was, or rather, rather than harder, let's say it was more expensive. You had to spend more money in order to break through the increasingly noisy uh, kind of cacophony in the world. And the second thing I noticed was that it was very possible for you to be telling one story while the company did something completely different. In other words, they could be saying that they stood for X when really their actions were about Y. And that, that started to bother me. And I noticed that there were a few companies post, this is post internet, like the internet really enabled this. There were companies that were getting quite big uh, quite quickly using almost no advertising at all. And so I wanted to understand what that was about, right? You know, because storytelling was getting really expensive. And what I realized was that these companies that weren't doing advertising, it wasn't that they didn't have a story. They absolutely had a story. They had a point of view. They had a a belief system that they were trying to advance in the world, but they were not using the medium of, of, of communication to tell that story. They were using the medium of experience. So there was something about They're either the physical experience that they created for people or the digital experience that they created for people that was delightful and notable and innovative and therefore exciting to people. And so these companies were building their businesses based on word of mouth, driven by the power of a really compelling experience. And so 
as I began to collect, I started to make lists of these companies. I noticed that there were more and more of them in the world. And um, I, I, want, I decided I wanted to understand how, how they worked. You know, what, what made them different? What, 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 what was it that it enabled them to build such a big business using no, no paid media? Because all other things being equal, building a business without spending money on advertising has got to be a better way to build a business, right? It's just more efficient. So I, uh, you know, one of those stories that I often tell is that Starbucks is, and this is when I was still in advertising, but Starbucks is one of the first companies that I, I remember noticing did this back in the day. You know, there was that moment when suddenly there was like a Starbucks on every street corner in the country, but there was no Starbucks advertising anywhere. And I didn't understand how they were doing that. And then I've, 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 when I looked into it, I realized that they were creating a really compelling differentiated experience and had built a, a giant company doing that. And, uh, and that was sort of an inciting incident. So congruence, uh, I suppose, less expensive. What, what are the benefits then uh, between? Uh... Well, it's, it's less expensive. It's more efficient. Um, when you when you are a true story doer, when do, and this is the term that I decided to apply to these companies because I needed a handle, not a storyteller. You're a story doer. You have a story, but you enact your story through the actions that you take and the experiences that you provide in the world. Story doers uh, have multiple benefits. They spend about a third of what traditional companies spend on paid marketing. They show a markedly higher customer loyalty. So customers are willing to stay with them longer, markedly higher employee retention. People just seem to want to stay and, and work at these companies. They um, have some softer benefits, just perceptual benefits. People tend to give them credit for being futuristic. Uh, they feel modern would be another way to put it. Uh, and and people um, have affinity with them because of that. So there are all kinds of benefits, uh, some some very hard business benefits and some kind of softer perceptual benefits that ultimately lead to business benefits, I think, to being a story doer rather than a storyteller. And so what would be the first step for all entrepreneurs, for all companies that want to go into that direction? Well, that was one of the other things that I noticed about these companies is that all of them had really done a, a careful job of defining what I have, I and, and the rest of the world have come to call a purpose. So they put some energy into defining what it is that they really want to accomplish in the world. What is the big positive change that they're seeking to uh, make? What is the dragon that they're trying to slay is another way to put it. And, and so that's the first step is you have to decide what uh, what is the problem that you want to solve? You know, uh, we'll, we, we can use, um, you know, maybe a, a slightly controversial example today, but Tesla is, is I think, still a, a very good example of this. You know, Tesla 
um, is their purpose is to accelerate uh, the adoption of the clean, sustainable energy future, right? Tesla does not see themselves as a car company necessarily. They see themselves as a company that's in the business of, of accelerating the transition to clean, sustainable energy. And, and as a part of that, they have multiple businesses that they're trying to build simultaneously to do that. One of them is a car business. Uh, the other uh, business is a charging business, like charging stations, and obviously those two go together really closely. But Tesla is obviously all, also a both uh, individual home level and grid level battery storage company, right? They're making these massive batteries, some of which you would put inside your home, some of which would sit outside on the grid and, and allow uh, for greater uh, efficiency in the transfer of power across the grid. And so Tesla's in that sense, and, and most story doing companies are this way, they're a little bit hard to describe, right? Traditional entrepreneurs, when they start their company, they think I'm starting a software company, or I'm starting a cupcake company, or I'm starting a, um, a sandwich company. And instead of thinking that way, what I would I, I would advocate that entrepreneurs do is think about the problem that you're trying to solve. Think about the dragon that you want to slay in the world and then create a purpose statement and then flip it on its head and think about it as the description of the business that you're actually in. So Tesla isn't in the car business. Tesla is in the business of accelerating the adoption of the clean, sustainable, of clean, sustainable energy. And that they were gonna follow that business anywhere it takes them into any category that it takes them into because it, and, and because they think of themselves that way, it, it opens many possibilities for them over time for revenue. Now, the, the, I, I also would say if you're an entrepreneur, pick one thing that you're gonna focus on first. Obviously, Tesla has focused on automobiles first because um, if you try to do too many things at the same time, uh, you get in trouble as well. But make sure that your purpose, when you define it, leaves room for you to grow in the future, right? Your purpose shouldn't be a thing that you can achieve in a year. It should be a thing that it, that, that it will take 10 years, 20 years, 30 years to achieve. It should have ambition to it. And then you can begin chipping your way toward that, right, over time. And if you're not in storytelling... Or if you are in storytelling, but you did not start with story doing, you you can you can still make that transformation, I suppose. Well, for sure, yeah. It uh, making the transition once you've already started the business is is a little bit harder because mostly just because of people. People don't like change really, and so you have to bring your employees along with you. It's why at, at my company, Co-Collective, we have three practices. We have a brand and business practice where we help companies define their purpose. We have an organizational and cultural design practice. So we help then companies, once they have their purpose, we help them figure out how to operationalize it internally to make sure that everybody inside the company understands it and how to use it in their area of the business. And then we have an experience design practice where we 
we focus on what is the external experience that customers will have with the company. So it's kind of purpose and then purpose inside the company and how that's going to change things and then purpose outside the company and how that will change things. But that's absolutely, it's a big part of the work that we do is helping companies that didn't begin as purpose-led businesses become purpose-led over time. So that's definitely possible. The three-door model, we call it, like with with brand and business design, uh, organ culture design and experience design uh, is relatively recent for us. But, um, you know, we've been doing this for about 10 years and some of our, uh, I would say some of our, our best clients are definitely clients that people will have heard of. Under Armour is a big client of, of co-collectives. We worked with Under Armour for about four and a half years. And, um, you know, with a company of that size, obviously making the transition to being purpose-led takes time. And um, we began helping them with, you know, kind of their strategy uh, overall, like what they wanted to be in the world and how to differentiate themselves from their competitors like Nike and, and Audi and companies like that. And then we began to take that work once we'd aligned on it with them and then help them figure out how to instantiate it internally in the business, right? How do you make it be a part of your culture? And then over time, began to think about new products and new services they could begin to develop. And so they, they, that's, a, that's a good example of a company that, you know, it's there four and a half years in and uh, they still, you know, it's a journey, right? They're still not, they're not finished by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and we work with companies of, of all sizes at Co-Collective. Under Armour is a big one, but we also start work with um, companies that are more startups. Um, there's a company called Genexa, uh, which you may, people may be beginning to hear about Genexa, but but um, when we worked with them, they were um, still private. Uh, they're still privately held, but they hadn't really taken any investment beyond friends and family. They were doing, I don't know, something like 10 million in revenue at the time and uh, helped them do this same work, helped them really define and align on their purpose. They were purpose-led from the beginning, but they hadn't really just, they hadn't really done the work to get it written down anywhere. You know, it was kind of, they were operating on instinct. And um, so we helped them really give, you know, articulate their purpose and then begin to apply it throughout their business. And now uh, Genexa has uh, distribution in Target. They've got distribution in Walmart. They just broke out of the U.S. into Canada. So they're now, um, uh, I got an email two days ago saying we're, we're growing, you know, hand over fist. Don't know what to, to actually a little worried about how fast we're growing. So um, that's a good, that's a good problem to have. And, um, and, and uh, so we, we like to meet companies where they are, right? If you're, uh, if, if you're, it's hard to work, it's hard to work with us if you are an unfunded startup. You have to get a little further down the road before you bring in outside, um, outside help like us generally as an entrepreneur. 
But once you've started to take investment and ramp as a business, that's a great time to work with us. Um, we, we love entrepreneurs. We almost all entrepreneurs today are purpose led just by, you know, de facto, like most young entrepreneurs are looking at the problems that, the, that, that exist in the world today and are trying to actually use their companies to solve them. And so um, we love working with young entrepreneurs and we also love working with, with big established companies and trying to help them get, you know, going on this journey. How did it feel to be named one of the 50 most influential creative thinkers uh, uh, by Creativity Magazine? Yeah, well, obviously, that was a great honor. And, um, you know, uh, that, that, uh, that was bestowed a little while ago. This, that was while I was still in advertising. And I, I managed to, you know, achieve a degree of success in that business, uh, along with the help of lots and lots of other people. And, uh, you know, like I said, advertising was a really fun business. And, and um, you know, I don't, I don't know, honestly, how great a creative person I am all by myself. I think what I was good at in the advertising business was finding other creative people to work with and creating the space for them to do their best work, right? Like that, that was uh, something that I really enjoyed doing. And, um, and I wound up getting, you know, not, not, not too, I wasn't too bad at that. Um, and so that resulted in me, you know, getting mentions like that in Creativity Magazine, which was nice. Um, and, you know, today, the, the, the thing that I really love today that's different from them is when, when you work in advertising, uh, you work mostly within the marketing department and in the marketing sphere. Purpose is different. Purpose is not marketing. Uh, you should not think about uh, your purpose as marketing, right? You purpose is the domain of the whole leadership team, including the CEO, right? And so today we generally work with leadership teams um, to to help them define and align on their purpose. And then, you know, once you've done that work, then the whole leadership team, uh, then their their job is to take that work and help diffuse it throughout the throughout the enterprise. And so we work with chief strategy officers, we work with chief people officers, we work with um, you know, chief innovation officers, often chief product officers. Um, and so that that has been a big change in in the work that that I do. And um, it's a welcome change. You know, I really love working with leadership teams and helping them do uh, you know, help helping them helping them to define a purpose and then really embrace it and make it real. And regarding C level, you have very interesting um, titles. Uh, so it, it's chief purpose officer. Chief purpose officer. Yeah. When we started Co. 10 years ago, it was, or 12 years ago, it was fairly lonely talking about purpose back then. 
you know, it, it wasn't, we were not the first company to, to really start talking about it, but we were early. And talking to leadership teams then about it, we got a lot of funny looks. You know, it wasn't as widely understood as it is today. Today, you have people like Larry Fink at BlackRock, you know, talking about it. Some of the biggest, uh, you know, kind of capitalists on the planet are now. Yeah, they were on, on, in, in Davos as well now. Right, exactly, exactly, right. There was a lot of talk about ESG at Davos. And so it's become um, mainstream in business, right? Um, but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't always. And and so as it has gotten more popular, one of the things that we've been concerned about is making sure that um, you know that that we remain uh, different, differentiated. And so we decided that as part of a much broader effort. We really wanted to triple down on the idea of purpose. We didn't want to see it turned into um, marketing. We didn't want, we were a little bit concerned about purpose washing also. And so among other things, we started our podcast. I gave up the co-CEO title and I took on the job of chief purpose officer at Co. So that, you know, my, my remit is to make sure that the work that we're doing in purpose on, uh, you know, with our clients is as good as it can possibly be. And, 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 the, and the idea is purpose has uh, a real evangelist uh, within the, the leadership team at Co Collective and with all of our clients. Anybody who's interested in, in learning more about uh, what we do at Co Collective um, or the kind of clients that we work with, or if you're interested in joining us, uh, you know, reach out uh, at the website. It's cocollective.com. You can uh, send us a note right directly from the website and somebody will, will return it. If anybody wants to reach me directly, uh, my email is uh, tmontague at cocollective.com. Feel free to shoot me an email and I'm happy to, happy to chat. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.